All right, so we've been looking at the book of Galatians, of course. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Jesus, we ask a, uh, a, a full and complete filling of your Holy Spirit to come upon us right now. Lord, we want nothing of our flesh to be distraction tonight. Lord, we want uh, to be trusting you and believing the words you say. And Lord, I pray we would be open to where you would challenge us to become more spiritual in our daily lives. Uh, less controlled by our flesh, more controlled by your spirit, Jesus. That's what we want. Less of us and more of you. Jesus, we've just worshipped you. We've just laid things down at your feet. We've given each other hugs and, and, and high fives and, and looks of, of encouragement. And Jesus, I pray we would learn now how to, how to deeply come, come alongside one another and to be your body. Lord, we want to learn from you how to do this. Lord, there's many things in the church that teach us and tell us we should be this way or should do that thing. But Lord, we want to hear it in our spiritual ears from you, Jesus, exactly what, we, what you want us to be and what you need us to be. So Lord, I ask that you uh, speak to us and teach us and correct us tonight and uh, encourage us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 tonight. Uh, and tonight's Bible study is called Burdens On or Burdens Off. Burdens On or Burdens Off. But I'm going to review a little bit. We're going to go back and start in verse 1. For those of you who weren't with us last week, we read, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So to review, a brother who is caught in sin. We've been spending all this time in this, in this uh, uh, study through Galatians looking at the theology of legalism and a war on legalism and how terrible legalism is and how legalism will choke you out spiritually and it is for it will kill you. It will it will absolutely ruin your pursuit of God and your being your usefulness to God. Legalism, the enemy, legalism, our thinking that our performance increases our godliness. Legalism, or you could say, faking spirituality, pretending to be truly spiritual by just following the rules. Legalism. So when we moved into chapter six, it's a very practical section. Okay, so we're we're truly spiritual. We're not faking it. But what if our our truly spiritual brother, who we know is truly spiritual, what if he gets overtaken in a sin? What if he gets caught up in a sin? What do we do? What do we do in that situation? And the answer we learned last week is that we gently restore them back to trusting in a dependent relationship with Jesus. Gently restore them back. We reach out to help them. We don't just gossip about them or come down hard on them with the law. Even if our spiritual brother is failing. Even if he's failing. And that's what, that's what shepherds do. Is that they, they come alongside and they heal. If you would look with me and, and keep your finger or your bookmark here in Galatians. And look with me back at, at uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. And God here, he talks about shepherds, which were the spiritual leaders 
of Israel. And he talks about what the heart of shepherds should be like. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 15 through 16. You see, most people wish to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. A lot of people, I think, like to give God advice. But if we're taking advice from him, if we're learning from him what a spiritual shepherd or someone who looks after God's people, this is what we see. Verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, those spiritual leaders who many of you are, spiritual leaders. You guys come out to church on a Wednesday night. That automatically puts you in a place of spiritual leadership. Someone who's really digging in. You're not just Sunday Christians. You're Sunday and Wednesday Christians. No. Hopefully you're everyday of the week Christians. But we're, moving, we're stepping up here. Shepherds of Israel, prophesy to them and say, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Oh, how sad. The weak you have not strengthened. You have not healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that which was driven away, nor sought that which was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. What a sad, sad description of spiritual leadership. I hope and I pray that we, and that me and your pastors, that we never become shepherds like that, that are cruel and selfish. Look at verse 15. He contrasts himself now with those terrible shepherds. I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down. In other words, I will give them rest, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken Strengthen that to what was sick, and I will dis- but I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. See, God cares about the needs and the good of the flock. That's what a spiritual, Christ-like person does. That's spiritual leadership. When someone is caught up in a sin, you don't gossip about them or come down hard with them with the law. You gently bring them back into that dependent, humble relationship with Christ Jesus. Bring them back to relationship. Remind them of the hugs and the kisses of God. Remind them how the prodigal son was, the the father ran out to him and gave him hugs and wrapped his arms around his neck and gave him kisses instead of lectures. Gave him a party instead of probation. I just heard that from Al Pittman driving here, and I stole it. So, Al, way to go. (laughs) Stole it right there. But now, the second thing he's going to teach us in verse 2 of chapter 6 of Galatians is a very simple verse. He says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's the only verse we're going to be covering tonight. That's as far as we're going to make it through Galatians chapter 2. Because it is such a tremendous verse. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help carry the burdens of life. 
We're not to push our burdens on others, but we're supposed to be relieving burdens off of others. That's why I called this Bible study burdens on or burdens off. So he says here, bearing each other's burdens and uh, if you look down to verse five, I just want to point it out. It says, for each one shall bear his own load. We're going to learn about bearing each other's burdens and bearing our own load uh, and how different those two things are. That we have our own things we're going to be going through, but our heart is to be um, focused on others first. This is called the, the one another ministry. So he says, bear one another's burdens. So we're going to look at several verses throughout the Bible that talk about one another and what we're supposed to be to one another, how we're to bear one another's burdens. Because I came to this verse when I started studying and I was like, bear one another's burdens. Okay, so if I see Travis carrying a heavy backpack, I'm going to try to carry half of that backpack with him. But then I thought about that in my mind and that would be really weird and awkward to try to carry someone half of someone's backpack with them. You'd have one arm and he'd have one arm. and It would just it would. That's not what he's talking about. He I mean, maybe it, it could be someone carrying something heavy and you're actually helping them. But there's a spiritual reality that Paul's teaching us about here. That's much more than just helping someone carry a heavy load. So um, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at several verses in the book of Romans um, as we see what it means to bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. It says in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So the body of Christ is described as members and a head, the head being Jesus and all the members being all of us. But notice it doesn't just describe all of us as being appendages like arms or legs. That would be kind of a grotesque view, a head with all these arms and legs sticking out. Everyone has their perfect place in the body. And we all work together in this unity in the body. So we're all individually one or members of this one body. So look at verse 10 of chapter 12. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So how can we be bearing one another's burdens? If we are the body of Christ, we have to see the unity that we are one and then he says, be kindly affectionate to brother uh, to one another in brotherly love. Again, you see that term one another, one another in brotherly love. See, it's, it's in the world we fight to get ahead in line. But in the body of Christ, it should be so much different. It should be come take my place in line. Come in before me. Come. I prefer you before me. Look at Romans chapter 15. Turn one page over to the right. Romans chapter 15, verse seven. He says, therefore, receive one another, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So how can we bear one another's burdens? We can receive one another. That means make room for one another or, you know, the world wants to have their special groups based on 
color or education or nationality or any sort of things. It seems that they're always grouping you into a, a group or pigeonholing you into a, a way of thinking over here. You're either this way of thinking or that way of believing or this way of living or that neighborhood or all these different ways. But this can be one of our fantastic ministries to one another, a way of bearing one another's burdens, accepting one another, saying, I want you on my team. I like you. That previous verse in Romans chapter 12, be kindly affectionate and brotherly love. You're my brother. You're my sister. We are on the same team. And I, no matter how unlovable, unworthy, unacceptable people may be, we're called to accept them, love them, be with them. And that's how we can bear one another's burdens, team up with them. Sometimes it's putting up with them. And sometimes maybe that's your call in the church is to put up with difficult believers. Anyone ever know a difficult believer? Someone who just, it's serving God by putting up with them, right? You're thinking, man, please don't come up to me. Please don't, oh, okay. Hey, how's it going, buddy? All right. Yeah, all right. And, and in our hearts, we can actually be serving the Lord. Even the loud people or the shy people or those who constantly tap their feet or their hands or their fingers or do just that one thing that annoys you. They just plain are annoying. It can be bearing one another's burdens by serving and loving that person. That person. Look at Ephesians, Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32 is an awesome verse having to do with this. He says, and be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Another way to bear one another's burdens is to be just just flat out nice to one another. It makes me so happy when my boys treat each other with kindness. When one of them is just like, here, Jordan, you can take my toy i'm done playing with it or i know you want to play with it and that happens sometimes and i'm just like oh i wish i had that on film i wish i taped that because that makes me so happy because 98 percent of the time they're like that's mine give me that and they're fighting it says be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as christ god in christ has forgiven us Here's yet another way to bear one another's burdens. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. I really like this one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another. Again, these verses we're looking at that say one another. One another. Do this to one another. This is how we engage and interact with one another in the body of Christ. He says, comfort one another. Edify one another. Some people come up to their pastor and they say, I need a ministry. I I think I'm in the place in my life where I'm ready to start serving God. I, I know I've been saved. I know God has done so much for me. So I want to start serving him back. Well, here's a ministry you can start doing today. And you can do it all day, every day. You know, usually those people will say, oh, well, I think I should be the worship leader now. Or I think uh, I need your job. You should, I, want to be, I think I should be the pastor. Whatever. But here's a job that you can do serving the Lord 
every day, all day, comfort one another and edify one another. How about you look around for other Christians who are burdened down and you get under that load with them and you help them back up. You pray for them, comfort them, edify them, be kind to them, team up with them. That's what we just read. All those verses, that's their instruction to us. That's what Jesus says in the New Testament, how we're supposed to treat one another. I would be astounded if we ran around this whole room and there was not one person who had a crushing burden in your heart and in your life right now. That when you woke up last night at 2 a.m., you weren't flooded with pain or weight, the heaviness of what you're going through. I'd be shocked if we didn't have that in this room. In fact, I know that we do. If I asked you to raise your hands, I bet every single one of you has burden. And so we have a built-in ministry here in this room. Built in. That we have different parts of the body that are to come alongside, comfort one another. Who doesn't like to be comforted? Edify one another. Just say, Man, it's, it's going to be all right. And let me tell you something that's edifying. Jesus loves you. Jesus is going to take care of you. Jesus says, let's pray about that. And let's edify each other as we pray about it. This is the ministry we have right now. Look with me in the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7. It says, When it's talking about ministry and and the ministry that each of us have and what we're supposed to be doing with one another and for one another, a lot of people think church is just about the pastor, that the pastor is the only one serving people or the worship leader is the only one serving. But look what he says here, verse 58, or chapter 58, verse 6. Is not, is this not the fast that I have chosen? See, the the people back in Israel during this time had grown legalistic, like we've been talking about. And so what was their pinnacle of legalism was fasting. It was, they they let you know that they were fasting. They, they, are you fasting? Oh, yes. Well, I could tell because your hair was a mess and you had dirt on your face. That's, and then you wore your sackcloth, your your potato sack you were wearing. And, And that was their big thing. And he says, but isn't this the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. See, so they wanted to serve God with their fasting. But it turned into this outward show of legalism. It was just a show. It was fake. It was legalism. But he's like, this God, if you want to serve me, this is the fast I've chosen. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not, or is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. See, this is the opposite of what the legalistic person brings into a life. When someone comes into a church and it's it's got that legalistic deception going on in that church and they have problems in their life what does the legalistic mindset add to that person's life more 
rules, heavier burdens. What does God say true ministry is? Lifting away burdens, freeing oppression, undoing the heavy burdens, loosening the bonds, not putting yourself under more. I know that if you go into certain churches and you say, I'm having problems with sin, they'll say, okay, do this and do this and do this and make sure you tie off that and make sure you set up these walls and this wall and do all these things. And then say a quick prayer. And that's not the way God works. God wants us to truly bring the Holy Spirit into lives because that's where the power is. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 46, or I'll just read it to you. He said, Woe to you, lawyers! Woe to you, lawyers! For you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Lawyers. He's not, that's not the lawyers that we're thinking of when he said, people who studied the law, people who bring the law in to fix people's lives or to fix behavior or to fix anything. He calls them a lawyer, someone who uses the law. And he says, woe to you, lawyers, because you load men with burdens that are hard to bear. You're not freeing them. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. You're loading them down. And he says the, the biggest hypocrisy of all is you don't even do that. You don't even follow that, those rules. So we've, we've studied long and hard the ways that legalism fails and that trusting Jesus and a life with Jesus and abiding with Jesus succeeds. So we're going to end that discussion there. But now it's, we're going to look at what he says at the end of Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is amazing because he goes from dissing law and dissing the, the trying to keep the law to please men. And he, he brings back up a law here. He says, if you bear one another's burdens, if you love them, you're going to be fulfilling the law of Christ. And that's referring, of course, to John chapter 13, where Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also, er, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my, my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, you don't have to teach a kid how to live a self-centered life. They all know how to say mine. You don't have to, when they're, when they're playing Legos and they're two years, one year old, two year old, you don't have to teach them, okay, make sure you, you hold on to what's yours and make sure you don't share or make sure you, you hold on to these things and you say mine. No one ever had to teach someone how to say that. That's, uh, those resources are perfectly available with what we get from Adam. Our human resources freely give us that. Selfishness abounds in those resources. But what we see now is the different resources that come from Christ. God wants the world to be astounded by the great love we have for one another. He wants them to just be flabbergasted at how we serve and bear one another's burdens. 
And you know what? This is what drew me into the church is when I I observed some people and this guy named Marcus, and he was so loving to everyone he met. And I was at hanging out at this coffee shop and and it was where a bunch of skater kids and punk kids hung out. But it was a Christian ministry and he was kind of working there and he he had so much love and he would say, hey, let's pray. And he was just real about it and he was authentic and and it was tremendous. And and I already knew the Lord, but that's what really drew me in to wanting to know to have what he had. Why are you so different, Marcus, than everyone else I know at church? And I went to a good church. I went to a good, great church. But this guy was different than everyone else. He had such passion and love for everyone. And he accepted people and he brought people in. And then he would just, we'd turn on, we'd be cleaning the, 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 the coffee shop uh, after hours, so we'd be there till like midnight, and then we clean from like midnight to two just to kind of help out. So we're vacuuming, and we turn up the worship music really loud. And he would just stop vacuuming, and he would just be praising the Lord with his eyes and just yelling. He couldn't sing at all; he was terrible. And he he would just be doing this. And you know what? About a couple months later, I was doing the same thing because it was so infectious. God says. The world is going to see you loving one another and it's going to blow their mind. You know, the Old Testament told us to love one another. So what's new here? Why is this a new command? Well, because he says, as I have loved you in John 13. A sacrificial type of love. A new dimension to love. Through this whole letter, Paul has been battling the legalists among the Galatian Christians. And here he strikes another hit. Paul essentially says, do you want to fulfill the law? Great. Here's your law to fulfill. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He mentioned this before in Galatians. If you remember Galatians 5, 13, he says, for you, brethren, have not been have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Kind of the same thing, right? For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we've been freed from the law, not to be legalistic and not to be letting our flesh do whatever it wants, but to fulfill the law by loving our neighbor. Romans 15.1 says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. I shared this verse with you this week, right? I was just reading it. And it came to my mind when I was studying this. It is a point of spiritual strength when we take the burden, when we take burdens off of people to relieve pressure. I want you guys to listen real carefully right now. It is a spiritual mark of maturity and it is what real spiritual people do to relieve pressure out of situations and out of people's lives. Why would you want to just be offering forgiveness left and right when brothers wrong you and sisters betray you and all these terrible things are going on or even deep, deep, deep pains, marital struggles, affairs. Why, do, why would you bring forgiveness into that situation? Why would you, instead of holding that unforgiveness over their head, because 
it relieves the pressure. It's not to please ourselves. You, it is those who are strong bearing with the scruples or the weaknesses of the weak. You see, if someone has hurt you in that way, they are obviously caught up in a sin. They have a burden now upon them. And so we who are strong, the Bible says, we, bear, we come alongside them. We help them. We relieve pressure. We don't add pressure. We don't say, well, I'll forgive you when you repent. I'll, I'll help you out when you change your attitude, you jerk. It never says that. It says, come alongside that brother, lift them up, relieve the pressure. Here's, here's some contrasts I want you to see. Because you're either, self, you're, you're either thinking that you're, you're serving the Lord with a self-righteousness or truly serving the Lord. And here, here's some contrasts here. Self-righteous service comes through human effort. True service comes from a relationship with the divine. Self-righteousness service is impressed with the big deal. True service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Self-righteousness, self-righteous service requires external rewards. True service rests contented in hiddenness. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. True service is free of the need to calculate results. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims. True service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. Self-righteous service is temporary. True service is a lifestyle. Self-righteous service is without sensitivity and insists on meeting the need even when to do so would be destructive. True service can withhold the service as freely as perform it. Self-righteous service fractures community while true service, on the other hand, builds it. In John 13, verse 14, it says, If I... Then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He is our example of how we're to treat one another, how we're to bear one another's burdens. Washing feet. During the American Revolution, a man in civilian clothes rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions but making no attempt to help them. Asked why, uh, asked why by the writer, he retorted with great dignity, Sir, I am a corporal. The stranger apologized, dismounted, and proceeded to help those exhausted soldiers. The job done, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. And this was none other than George Washington. What a great example of bearing burdens. So instead of putting burdens on people, we as believers are taking burdens off of them. So, what is holding you down? I went around the office and asked people today what burdens, uh, what, what kind of burdens they had 
First, uh, here's some of the answers. My wife. I don't know. <laughs> I won't sell out who said that. But um, he was just joking, of course. But um, commitments. He was burdened by some commitments that he had made. And I started thinking, how could I minister to him? How could I help him bear that burden? Sickness was another thing I heard. Sickness. How could I come alongside and bear one another's burdens when it's sickness? Finances? I'm not saying we go give all our money to someone who needs money, but maybe can we teach them how to better manage their money? Can we help them look for a job? Can we bear their burdens? Can we encourage them, pray for them, comfort them? Family, unsaved family members. That was a burden. Um, All my emails I have to answer. That was a burden from someone. Um, Some smart Alex said, gravity. That's what's holding him down. Social media. This one guy is like, I, I'm so burdened by social media. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, busyness. Uh, someone said, having enough alone time with my wife. Um, diseases. Bills. Renters. Bad renters. <laughs> Diapers. Could be a burden. <laughs> Your health. I looked at Oprah. Oprah says it's fear that keeps us down. Or women. Maybe it's fear. Well, as a body and as believers together, we can obey the scripture that says to bear one another's burdens by coming alongside them, praying for them, comforting them, edifying them, being kind to them, teaming up with them. And when you do that, you're going to see the Lord start to use you in this body And maybe you think, I have no purpose in this body here at the Denver campus or even at Calvary Aurora, Denver Calvary, wherever else we represent. But the body that we're a part of, man, what what is my job? What am I supposed to be doing? And maybe it's just been there all along right here in Galatians 6.2, what you're supposed to be doing. We've been learning theology. We've been studying Grace like there's no tomorrow. And it's been awesome. But maybe there's a person right next to you who is dying. Or, or sad. And those are real things to God. Maybe there's someone who's just bummed. Maybe there's someone stuck in a sin. And we have the opportunity to come alongside and bear those burdens with them. But it's not going to happen if we just sit here, come listen to Bible study, and then leave. It's never going to, you're never going to engage doing that. But we have have an awesome example from from the people here in our church where we stick around. Some, Some of you come early. We're already talking with people. We're getting people's phone numbers. We're calling them during the week. We're sending them a text saying, I'm praying for you. How many of you gotten a text from Avant saying, I'm praying for you, brother? Sister, I want to learn how I can do more of that. How I can bear your burdens when I'm not even at your job. I could do that. I could pray for you. How I can sympathize. How I can 
assist, how I can serve and love sacrificially. I want to learn from Jesus how to do that. Are you guys with me? Do you guys want to learn too? All right. Let's spend a moment praying that Jesus will really teach us and change how we interact with people before church, after church, on our weekends, on our weekdays, and in the night, in the dark watches of the night when we wake up and we're so burdened. Maybe you need to be the person that starts asking for help. Maybe you need to be the person that just says, here's my phone number. Would you text me when you pray for me? I wasn't planning on praying for you, but I guess I will now. (laughs) That would be a great thing. I would take that. Let's do it. Let's get together and let's do it. Jesus, we have... um, We love your word. We love your consistent Holy Spirit that constantly takes us to new levels of serving with you, Lord. And new ways that we can be a part of what you're doing on this earth. Lord, the the church is not supposed to be just what happens at the Bible study on Wednesdays and the, the, the sermon on Sundays and the worship during those times. But Lord, the church is supposed to be 24 hours a day serving one another and bearing one another's loads. Lord, forgive us for just thinking about ourselves all the time. Forgive me. I repent and I want to be taught by your spirit. I want to be more useful to you. Lord, I do not want to be just a Wednesday and Sunday believer. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We, we so need you. We depend upon your spirit. We ask you for your spirit, Lord. Lord, we want to fulfill that law of Christ. We want to love, Lord. We know we're not going to do it through our efforts, Lord. It's going to be a, a work of your spirit, a fruit that happens in our life, Lord, through abiding in you and through prayer, Lord, just connecting with you. So, Lord Jesus, please fill us. Please encourage us. And, Lord, all those people in here who are gifted as encouragers, gifted as comforters, gifted as prayer warriors and and helpers and teachers, Lord, I pray we would take our place in your body, Lord, and we would begin ministering in faith. We would be bold to connect with one another. Not be afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.